stench of cow manure hovers over this performance by the Dolphins. What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the same old Dolphin show. I am Josh Katzker, and with me, as always, is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, what's happening? Well, I'm doing a lot better than I was, I guess, about uh, about 30 hours ago when I was watching that train wreck of a football oh, game. Man, well, as as you heard in our intro, our intro by the band Bad Bruno, by the way, follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Bad Bruno Punk who provided our uh, Miami Dolphins fight song, the punk rock version. But as you heard right after that, on the intro to our show today, uh, to throw back to the late, great Jim Mandich, the stench of cow manure hovers over this game. And it certainly did over that Dolphins performance against the New York Jets on Sunday. I mean, as bad as the team looked at the beginning of last season, I don't know that they ever looked quite as bad last year as they did in this game against the Jets. I mean, they looked, the offense in particular, just looked completely inept from the outset. Uh, Brain, this was a Jets team that had given up the most running yards, most rushing yards in the first two weeks of the season. And with the Dolphins and coming off of that Jay Ajayi performance in LA, you thought for sure... Ajayi was going to go crazy and run all day long against this Jets defense. And the Jets clearly came in with the mindset that they were not going to let Jay Ajayi beat them. That the that the way the Dolphins were going to win this game was they were going to have to figure out a way to, to do it through the air and open them up. Otherwise, they were dead set on stopping Ajayi. And the problem was that Jay Cutler and the, and the Dolphins offense could never really get going with any kind of aerial attack. And as a result, the Jets were content to stay put and shut down the run. And uh, at the end of the day, it was just a putrid performance from the Miami Dolphins offense, except for the final drive of the game where sort of Jay Cutler finally found Devontae Parker for several connections there in garbage time. But this was fantasy points, baby. Uh, yeah, fantasy garbage points. time. Fantasy points. I, listen, listen. I was very happy about it because I have Devonte Parker in uh, in a fantasy league, and it turned out pretty great for me that final drive. In fact, but you know, from a Dolphin fan perspective, this game was an absolute nightmare. You you hate to have the Dolphins perform like that at any time, but to have them perform like that against the Jets, I mean. This is as bad as it gets. Yeah, I mean, the Jets, we talked about it. I, I called them the Washington Generals of of this year's NFL. And through the first two weeks, they they lived up to it. They were awful on offense, awful on defense. They couldn't run the ball. They couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the pass. They, they really couldn't do anything. Um, but this is a sobering reminder that first off, and on any given Sunday, I know it's a cliche, but in the National Football League, any team can beat any team. Really, the difference between good teams and bad teams in this league is really very small. Uh, there is a there you could there's a sizable difference between the really elite teams and the bad teams, but the average teams and the below average teams, there really isn't that much of a difference. So if you go out there and you do not execute 
uh, you will lose just about every time, especially on the road. Uh, there were reasons, uh, there were signs that maybe something like this could happen. Uh, you, you had an entire week where everything revolving around the Dolphins was really not related to what was going on going on on the field. Uh, it was related to Lawrence Timmons. It was related to uh, a trade for a linebacker and Adam Gase's, uh, you know, how he's dealing with uh, Lawrence Timmons from a disciplinary standpoint. Um, it seemed like in the media, there was more talk about whether or not Lawrence Timmons would be back for the, for the game against the saints next week, than whether or not he'd be missed, uh, for this game against the jets. Uh, it just seemed a foregone conclusion. Now it's not the media's job to get ready for for the for a national football league game. So, look, the media can overlook the opponent all they want and you know, you still have an expectation that uh your your football team is going to go through the the proper preparation and you know, maybe that was the case. Maybe this was a case of a team getting a little too full of themselves uh and thinking that they've got an inferior opponent coming up and that they didn't need to prepare. And some of the things that you heard in the locker room after the game would would kind of tip you off to maybe that was the case. You got guys saying, you know, they, they really didn't have a good week of practice. And, you know, if you don't have a good week of practice, it shouldn't surprise you that you don't have a good result on Sunday. Uh, so maybe that was the case. Um, then again... Maybe this it seems was just awfully a- hard to think that Adam Gase, of all people, just doesn't seem like he's the kind of guy that would allow the team to fall into the trap of of a trap game. But I don't know. You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm not one of those guys. Look, I like Adam Gase so far. Uh, I liked what he did last year. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, he showed an ability to adjust and kind of change course with the with the team after a really slow start, he showed a willingness to uh, you know call guys out and hold guys accountable. And the guys that he held accountable seemed to improve as the as the season went on last year. But you know some of these guys in the media down here are ready to call Adam Gase the next Don Shula. And at this point, Adam Gase has done nothing more than Tony Sperano. And I'm not saying that he's necessarily Tony Sperano, but Tony Sperano went 11 and five in his first year as the head coach and then was mediocre to bad the remainder of his tenure before getting fired. Adam Gase went 10 and six. Got to the playoffs, just like Tony Sperano did. This is his second year as a head coach. Let's not just crown him the the next Don Shula, the next Bill Belichick, the next great coach in this league. We don't know who Adam Gase is. What I will say is that through the first two weeks of this season, his play calling 
and he calls the plays, he could delegate that. He could have hired an offensive coordinator to call the plays. It's been really bad. His play calling has left a lot to be desired. It's been very conservative. Uh, You've got a team that everything that we've heard from this team and every move that they have made from this offseason, from from going back to the free agency period to uh, right before training camp to signing Jay Cutler after Ryan Tannehill gets hurt instead of just riding with Matt Moore uh, to to going out and trading a fifth round pick for a linebacker just last week. All of these moves, uh, you know, going back to the offseason and, and signing Kenny Stills, making sure that you, you, you bring Kenny Stills back because you don't want the offense to to lose any of the momentum that they had picked up at the end of last season. All of these moves speak to a win-now attitude, an attitude that this team believed that they were going to get back to the playoffs and we knew that they weren't going to do it on the shoulders of their defense. We knew that if this team was going to get back to the playoffs, the offense was going to be re- was going to need to be really good. And if you thought it, that it was necessary to go out and get your guy in Jay Cutler and spend ten million dollars on him, then at some point you're going to need to trust him to throw the ball more than five yards down the field on first down. At some point, you're going to need to trust him on second and long to throw the ball and not just a bubble screen so that you don't put yourself in third and long and you don't allow the opposing defense to just tee up on you and and go after the quarterback and put and, and get Cutler under pressure, and that's where the mistakes are made. Granted, the the game plan was to run the ball, and they didn't run the ball, and that hurts. I mean, that's everything that the Dolphins want to do this year on offense kind of starts and ends with Jay Ajayi. That's right. There's no way around it. Jay Ajayi is the heartbeat of that offense. If he's not, if he's not running, if he's not working, this offense is is going to be stalling. But it became apparent early in that game that they were not having success running the ball. And that doesn't mean that you abandon the run, but it means you have to change something. Yep. You got to you, you got to go to something different. And there was not a time in this game where the Dolphins really made much of a change in their offensive game plan to try to loosen up the Jets defense, to try to take some shots 15, 20, 30 yards down the field. It was just, they they gave the Jets no reason to change their defensive game plan. And so the Jets defensive game plan, which was to crowd the line of scrimmage and stuff Jay Ajayi worked over and over and over again. And eventually down 17, nothing or 20 to nothing, the Dolphins became one dimensional and there really wasn't anything that they can do until the Jets started going into to prevent at the end of the game. Right. And now in fairness to Gacy, he did come out afterwards. He said he was upset about the way the offense played. He said, I'm just tired of watching it for two years, just garbage. 
So we're going to figure something out. We'll probably make some changes. So figure out what we've got to do. Get that thing rolling. I've been watching it for two years. It hasn't worked. So this is obviously somebody who's a little bit frustrated with the way the offense is rolling. And uh, hopefully we're going to see some changes in this game against, in this upcoming game against New Orleans. A New Orleans team that I wouldn't say has a stellar defense. And we'll, we'll talk more about this later this week. I don't know that they have a stellar defense, but they did shut down a Carolina team. Granted, a Carolina team that is struggling to find its way offensively as well. Um, so we'll see if those changes are made. Uh, the, the offense was pretty upsetting. Uh, you have to wonder if there maybe hasn't been something, something off about the way, you know, about that cut that Gase has seen with Jay Cutler that maybe is causing him to be so conservative with play calling. And we'll see if that's something that gets changed, uh, going forward. But it certainly hasn't built up a lot of confidence. And, and I think we have to, we have to just sort of, you know, we say that the NFL is all about, especially the early weeks of the NFL season, September, it's it's always a lot of people reacting to a small sample size. And we said that this is what we saw in the first couple weeks of the season is not necessarily what the team is. Um, you know, granted now I would say we've seen six quarters of the mediocre play calling. The Dolphins were much better, I thought, in the second half of the game against the Chargers. Um, but this entire game against the Jets, I thought, looked a lot like that first half of that game against the Chargers. So anyway, we'll see if things can get turned around on the offensive side. But on the defensive side, I mean, this was it was terrifying the way the Miami Dolphins made Josh McGowan, who is a quarterback who is essentially a placeholder quarterback for the New York Jets, who was on, I think, something like a nine-game losing streak as a quarterback. Maybe it was even longer than that. This was a guy who hasn't won a game in a long time, and he had a 126 QB rating by the end of this game. I mean, this guy put on a show against the Dolphins. They made him look like like something special, and it was kind of upsetting to watch. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think this is kind of, I, I hate to say it, but I, I think this is what the defense is going to look like. I think most of the damage that the Jets did offensively and that Josh McCown, you know, did was basically attacking the same weakness that the Dolphins are going to have week in and week out. And I, I think there are there there's a slight adjustment that that could be made. But basically in this game, what you saw a lot of was again, you know, attacking the linebackers in coverage and specifically Kiko Alonso. But it wasn't just Kiko Alonso, it was also Byron Maxwell. Um and and specifically the coverage the scheme was basically it's it's a cover two. It's it's like a soft cover two sometimes even cover three, where basically the linebackers are dropping into coverage, the corners are dropping into coverage playing a soft zone um, or a soft man. And what what you were seeing is Byron Maxwell consistently giving his guy a lot of cushion so he can get deep into, you know, you know, five, ten yards and then and then a slant. And Kiko Alonso not getting deep enough in his drop in coverage. And so that gap there, just McCown, it was like pitch and catch all, all game long, or at least really the entire first half. And 
it was just there. It seemed like there was no way for the Dolphins to stop it. Now, I think that one way the Dolphins could kind of change this is maybe playing a, a bit more press coverage, uh, you know, get get those receivers timing a little bit off, um, not allow them to get as deep, you know, therefore, you know, maybe your linebackers don't need to drop that extra three to five yards in coverage. And then that gap, that, that window becomes a smaller throw for the quarterback. And also the timing is disrupted. So the quarterback might not be able to get it there when he expects his receiver to get there. So I think that that's something that, that could be looked at. But the fact is, look, these linebackers suck in coverage. I mean, Kiko Alonso is, is the Dolphins' best linebacker, but he's not a good coverage linebacker. He's a good tackler. He can cover a lot of ground. Uh, he can work the field side to side, but he has never been a good linebacker in coverage. And that's just not going to all of a sudden change this year. And yeah, yeah. if you thought that it was, and if the Dolphins thought that it was, well, that that's really Poor on their part. Well, and the linebacker situation doesn't appear that it's going to get much better. And I think this is the perfect place for us to sort of transition to the sort of missing linebacker here, Lawrence Timmons, who it has now come out that before Hurricane Irma hit, when it was when the game had when the Dolphins season opener against Tampa Bay had been postponed, Lawrence Timmons went to Pittsburgh and practiced with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And evidently... Well, he, no, he, he didn't practice with the Pittsburgh Well, Steelers. apparently he was at Steelers camp and he was around the Steelers organization. Yeah, he, he attended and the he, practice. And he, he attended the practice and he told, told people that he wanted to come back to Pittsburgh and that uh, leaving was a mistake to begin with. And... So then he, he, you know, then he reports to Dolphins camp in California and he goes and he goes AWOL before the game and was apparently on his way to Pittsburgh. Uh, this, if this is in fact what the situation was, this is absolutely horrible. Um, I think there's no way this guy could play for the Dolphins again, but then you know what it puts the dolphins in a really awkward spot because do you cut him and leave him free to just go back to the steelers or do you keep, well, keep him in on mind the that the steelers cut him that's true the steelers cut him but but what do you do in this situation what i mean it's a very it, it puts the dolphins in an awkward place and let me just say that this is such a same old dolphin situation to have this kind of wacky weird personality issue uh, surface in the locker room. It's just just a bizarre situation. It really is. Um, but I think it's worth noting that look, that happened uh, before Hurricane Irma. So he this is before he went missing. It's like a week to ten days before he went missing because you had. Hurricane Irma. Then you had the opening weekend of the NFL schedule. Then you had a full week of the team in LA. And then he went AWOL the night before the game or the day before the game. Um, so, so I'm not sure how relevant it is. We don't know if this is, uh, you know, it's basically what we heard is that Lawrence Timmons, 
told former teammates that he felt like it was a mistake that he left or whatever. So should he have been there? Probably not. Should he have said that? Definitely not. But he's still on the team, which tells me that he still wants to play and that the Dolphins are willing to forgive him provided that he works. Nothing really... Nothing has really changed in this situation other than we may have a little bit more clarity and we're not even sure if this is really, I mean, that, like I said, that was like 10 days before he went, he went missing. So it's not like he was missing because he was in Pittsburgh trying to, you know, butter up, you know, buddy up with his old teammates, you know, we, we don't know really what happened there. And he can miss being in Pittsburgh all he wants, and he can still be a professional the the rest of his time, you know, when he shows up to practice and then plays on Sundays. I think the fact is, as long as he shows up to work and he works hard, he's an upgrade for the Dolphins at the linebacker position. And at the end of the day, that's what the Dolphins need. So the question now is, how long do you go with him out there? Because, I mean, how long do you keep him suspended? Because, <laughs> listen, you're the, uh, the Dolphins lost this game to the Jets, which is you're looking, when we looked at the schedule before this season started, if you were being, a Dol- if you were being an optimist and you were looking at the Dolphins finishing 9-7 or 10-6, that, that kind of record surely involved the Dolphins winning two games against the Jets. And now they've dropped one, and they dropped it bad. So how long can you afford to let this sort of soft underbelly of the Dolphins defense be exposed? Uh, you, you know, you got Drew Brees coming up next weekend in London. Uh, it's that's a tough situation that the Dolphins are facing here. Yeah, it absolutely is. But let's not be let's not be mistaken and think that if Lawrence Timmons had played in this game, that the Dolphins would have won. Because Lawrence Timmons isn't on the offensive side of the ball. And that offense was putrid yesterday. And they're not winning that game. And Lawrence Timmons is an upgrade for sure. Um, And he allows the Dolphins to do a bit more with their linebackers. And, you know, maybe game plan a little bit differently. But I don't think that that the result of this game changes last, uh, you know, against the Jets. Uh, I I think the entire team came out flat. I think if anything, you can make the argument that maybe the, you know, his whole situation was a distraction that the team uh, probably didn't need to deal with coming into their second game of the season when they should have been focusing on the Jets. And instead they were focusing on whether or not uh, they were going to be getting Lawrence Timmons back. I think that this is something that's going to hang over the team potentially uh, until he's back. And because of that, look, I'm of the opinion, look, the guy has sat out two games now. If he's coming to practice every day and he's working hard every day and he's in the film room and and doing the, the necessary preparation to get ready for the game on Sunday – Look, if he if he helps your team be better, 
then then he needs to be out there. I mean, what what more are yeah. you what more are you going to prove by by suspending him for one more game or two more games? I mean, really, really, what are you going to prove? I mean, he's certainly the team has made their point. You would think Gase has made his point, and he's trying to change things up. He's got to change things up offensively, and you might as well change things up defensively as well. Uh, because while the defense, I mean, this has been classic same old Dolphins bend but don't break defense. These you know, first couple weeks of the season. Well, that's what they're going to be. That's what that's Matt what they Burks, are. That's uh, that's what his uh, mo is. That's all of the the coaches that he's coached under. Um, that's what they were last year. I think that you know there are slight tweaks that could be made, but it's it's essentially it's a it's a rush for defense, play a lot of soft coverage. I don't think it's going to be this exotic blitz super aggressive defense i don't know that the dolphins necessarily have the personnel to do that anyway i think they're kind of making the most with what they have because again you know they're pretty solid in in stopping the run outside of really the one drive early in the third quarter which was a huge drive um and and a disappointing drive for the for the defense but really outside of that I think they kind of did what they're supposed to do, which is stop the run, get after the passer on second and long, third and long, get them in bad uh, down and distance, and then and then just hold them and don't don't allow them to score. But they they gave up the big play. Alteron Werner got got torched on man coverage. All the people on Twitter, uh, you know, calling for for Byron Maxwell to be benched, and then. All of a sudden, he's not out there for one play, and Alteron Werner is getting torched on a 69-yard bomb to Robbie Anderson. So that didn't work out so well. Um, look, the, the Dolphins' defense has some limitations. The the thing that concerns Boy, talk me— talk about the, an understatement. The thing that concerns me is that we knew that the Dolphins' defense had limitations. That's not going to change. Right. What we have talked about all offseason and what everybody has been excited about is all these weapons that they have on offense. And you've got all these weapons, but you seem averse to using them. You seem averse to opening up the playbook, to being creative, to taking some risks offensively. And what you have is 25 points through the first two weeks. And by the way, they only got the the, the score in this one, uh, you know, in garbage time after a timeout with six seconds left to to score that meaningless touchdown. Hey, I ain't mad at that because I got I got a lot of fantasy points off of that. Oh, I loved it. Don't get me wrong; that was the best timeout of the week, as far as I'm. That concerned. was tremendous. That was literally the best thing about the game for the Dolphins. Of course, and it also led to just really summing up the whole thing, Cody Parkey missing the extra point. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, so, I mean, we said, I said at the end of the show last week, you know, it looked like the Dolphins were headed towards another uh, another win and a 2-0 record. But if they don't, don't worry, because it's, you know, same old Dolphins. And this is the same old Dolphins, although I think maybe we were letting our confidence run too high because, you know, we were a missed field goal away from being 0-1, heading into this game, bouncing off of a loss, and really, really needing that big win. Um, and instead, we, we 
we come up short. So it's in same old Dolphins fashion. You're riding high a little bit after a win. And you go into a game, a divisional game, that you think you should win fairly easily. And you lay an egg. It is, I mean, that's as same old Dolphins as it gets. So a disappointing performance from the Dolphins in week three. But uh, later this week, we will rejoin you and we will look ahead to week four as the Dolphins take on the New Orleans Saints in jolly old London, England at Wembley Stadium. The Dolphins going to take on the Saints uh, at a 9.30 a.m. game uh, on Sunday morning so you can enjoy the Dolphins with your uh, with your coffee and eggs. Um, hopefully, hopefully you'll be able to enjoy them. Uh, that remains to be seen, but we'll, we'll be back with the preview later this week. In the meantime, Brain, tell the people where they can find you. Can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain and writing for the Dolphins Report. I'm going to have my recap article published uh, tomorrow morning, which is going to be Tuesday morning. So probably will be up by the time you're listening to this on DolphinsReport.com. And also give them a follow at Dolphins on Scout. And of course, you can find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. Follow the show at Same Old Dolphins. Download, rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes. You should also be following us on SoundCloud. Give us a like. Leave us some comments. Let us know what you think about the show. We want to make sure that we can make it the best show possible. And your feedback will help make that happen. All right, we're going to do our best now to put this terrible second game of the season behind us. We'll see the Jets again, I believe, in week seven. We'll feel better about it by then. Hopefully, the Dolphins will be... uh, Maybe we'll be coming into that game with a little bit more optimism. Of course, I'm sure there will be at least a healthy dose of skepticism as we head into that game, unlike there was this week when we were all drinking the Dolphins' Kool-Aid. So we're going to relax. We're going to take it easy. We're going to reset. We're going to improve our outlook on the season, and uh, later this week we'll be back with the preview show of the New Orleans Saints game coming up on Sunday. So for Aaron the Brain, this is Josh. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins! Miami's got the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from the